that give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Right, it's off to Mexico now to Campeche and uh, our good friend uh, John Bonfilio is there. Uh, John, I won't say New Year to you yet. Uh, you've got about four hours to wait, haven't you, before we say uh, Happy New Year to uh, to Latin America. But, uh, well, still Happy Christmas, really. Yep, we're still very much in 2021, the old year. The old fabulous COVID-filled year is still here. <laughs> well, the New we're Year's fantastic. Over the lip. Yeah. Great, no, it's been, good. It's been going for a couple of hours here, and uh, it's been fantastic so far, the New Year. So it's something for you to look forward to in uh, 2022. I'm um, very happy for you. Thank you. Well, there's a lot going on uh, where you are, um, or in your part of the world anyway. Uh, two big elections uh, coming up in 2022, which um, will mean quite a lot for your continent. But t- tell me about them. Yeah, the, the year ahead. Um, and for sure, over the course of the last 18 months, there's been a, a fairly significant leftward drift amongst a number of the, um, I mean, not even the major democracies in, in Latin America, but, but, but a significant number of them. Alberto Sanchez in Argentina, Pedro Castillo just a couple of months ago in Peru, just this month, uh, Gabriel Boric in Chile, the youngest ever president in Chile. And also, a little known fact, the first um, visibly tattooed president in Latin American history. So there you go. Blimey. Luis Arsen, yeah, Luis Arsen in, in, I mean, he's a, yeah, student leader, uh, with everything that that, that that involves. And it just goes to show what's taken place in Chile over the course of the last few years to, 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 um, to, you know, I guess give us a context of the fact of why he's been elected and the sort of seismic shift that's, um, that is desired in that country, but also, you know, more, more broadly elsewhere. The only, um, leader that is currently of the right or center right in any kind of major de- democracy in Latin America at the moment is Guillermo Lasso in, in Ecuador. And then there's two others. The two other major ones, I guess, is uh, Jair Bolsonaro in, in Brazil, who we speak about a lot, and Ivan Duque in Colombia, who we speak about a little bit less. But they've both got big elections coming up this year in October in, in Brazil and in May for, for Colombia. And at the moment, for multiple reasons, some of which can be laid at the door of the president, and a, a number of which really can't, just because of the global uh, context, it looks as though both of those are going to uh, lose. So I guess for the first time since the pink tide, what was referred to as the then pink tide of the early 2000s, it looks as though um, you know, the vast majority of countries in Latin America are going to be led by left or centre-left countries, which most people are painting as this kind of you know left, including what I said at the start of the you know, the, the piece, left, left or drift. But actually what this kind of, I think, hides a little bit is that there is actually a tension in the Latin American left between a kind of a more traditional, um, almost sort of, you know, militant Marxist left, mm. which you would see in, in Venezuela, and then a more progressive left of the, you know, Boric in Chile. So, so really, the, you know, you, I, I don't think you can really honestly class uh, all of these leaders in, in the same bracket. I think they are largely uh, very different. They may all have... You know, to some extent, you know, social policies, but really a number of them are as different from each other as they would be from from their right wing uh, equivalents. Yeah, and I think one of the problems is that you don't exactly know what you're going to get. You know, over the years, you know, thinking way, way back, really, you would get um, very idealistic uh, left-wing uh, governments coming in who suddenly, you know, because, well, once they've got power, 
Um, you know, they do say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we've seen that over the years in not just in Latin America, but in various Latin American countries. And there was a bit some I don't know whether you remember the Woody Allen film Bananas. Um, which was a fictional republic called San Marcos. But um, you see what happened in the, if you know, if you're familiar with that movie, what happened in that movie sort of um, echoed uh, history to some extent. So you never, you still don't know what you're going to get is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. And I think in a lot of democracies or in a lot of countries these days, often you have particular positions. And then when people assume power, they become kind of a little bit more centrist. You know, they become a little bit more conciliatory, but I, I completely agree with you with in, in Latin America. Often the opposite happens and people become more entrenched and and see that the rest of the world is against them and they need to leave a particular kind of legacy. So often constitutions are changed and so on. So um, look, Latin American democracies by this stage are, you know, fairly um, aged and uh, I guess mature, but they still there is still so much that um, so many struggles that, that take place once somebody has taken uh, office because by that point by the point at which you end a more obvious democratic process then a number of people who assume power then assume then then, then take on the the perspective that they deserve uh, the right to be there forever and start you know building up the machinations from that and that's both left and right you know there is no mm. there is no political bias in this it's just been the way of things um forever here so at the moment yeah. we've got a you know a, a left with drift and we'll see what uh, what happens but certainly covid you know hitting a number covid and you know economics and a number of different things but but hitting the the um the the regimes of a number of right-wing um uh, governments has has meant that the, the tide has significantly shifted and we go into 2022 with a really you know leftist field of international representation right across latin america yeah. Now, um, the eyes of Latin America and the world are on uh, El Salvador at the moment uh, because of its, uh, its experiment with, uh, with Bitcoin, with uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, particular interest in that in uh, Poulton Le Filed, where <laughs> my, uh, my moneyed producer is actually investing in uh, cryptocurrency. I haven't invested any of my fortune in it um, simply because I find it like my fantasy football team. I, I don't know how I can't set it up properly or, uh, you know, fail to set it up properly. Um, but um, some people say it's the future. Well, I mean, yeah, for sure. Interested in hearing about uh, Jed in a minute about this. Contextually, in June, Naib Bukele, the, the president of, of El Salvador, announced that Bitcoin was going to become legal tender, the first country in the world. And really what he was looking for was investment into this small uh, Central American country that has been beset historically by a whole host of different problems from, uh, you know, natural disasters through to economic problems, through to crime, violence and um, and so on. And really it's been seen as a potential validation of the potential of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency more broadly to serve as, as global currency from, I guess, a contextual policy um i guess position in terms of you know latin america and what what i'm seeing yeah there have been fluctuations but really a, a number of people w were saying that it was going to you know collapse and go completely um go completely wrong and, um, and and be a massive disaster for the country and that definitely hasn't hasn't happened you know it may be working imperfectly but it's certainly working so in terms of the eyes of the world and the eyes of latin america i can only see that this experiment um, increasing and and expanding but it'd certainly be interesting to hear from jed uh 
from within the system, from within the Bitcoin <laughs> system, as to what he, as to how he's feeling about it all. How are you for feeling, me, Jed? For me, any any country that is investing in Bitcoin um, gets gets my vote. I mean, this guy's he's quite he's a, quite a young chap, isn't he? He's, he's sort of baseball cap wearing. He's um, quite a sort of hipster. I think he. I, I read somewhere he was wanting to um, like build a sort of a Bitcoin city to kind of mine more yep, things under a volcano. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is you know, I I, I honestly think that. Um, you know, if if you get a country doing it, um, investing in it, and then you know potentially trading. I know Elon Musk, and he's obviously one of these people that, you know, he's he's all for it one day, he's not the next day. But I think he's saying sort of Tesla are, are, are inviting this Dogecoin. Mm. Uh, so the, the, for me, yeah, the um, as I've always said, it's a long game, um, and you know, risk what you can afford, that yes. kind of thing. But um, if countries are getting involved and it's not going south, especially for a country like sort of El Salvador, then I think that them small ripples will become little bigger ones in that sort of South American bubble and countries they're very much allied with, and they might have a little punt as well. And that can only be a positive for me to yeah. become a multimillionaire. Yeah, I was going to say, so your, <laughs> your, your, your 15 quid is, is doing quite well then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was actually speaking of a, a very good friend of mine um, the other week. I was, I was down, I was, weird, I was down sort of Wiltshire ways, quite well off. And um, so he's got bits of Bitcoin here, bits of this. But he said, oh, I've, I've, I've sunk a lot of money into this Shiba, which is actually apparently doing quite well at the moment. He's got, um, I mean, when I'm saying sunk a lot of money, I'm talking like £500. But but because of how kind of low the value of Shiba is, he's ended up with 18 million Shiba coins. <laughs> so he's, he's so his, his thinking is, in that 30 years, if that even just gets to a penny... Um, I'm gonna be, it's I'm gonna, gonna be, all, be right, all right. So yeah, but who knows? But like I say, for me, if countries are doing it, a ripple effect. Um, this guy wants to just uh, make cities to to mine Bitcoin. Then um, yeah, I think it's a it's yeah. a positive. And and I think it's it's worth remembering as well with El Salvador that you know a lot of people say well it's going to go really wrong for El Salvador. The history of of El Salvador is of things going wrong for it. So just to continue on with the status quo, we're just going to keep things going down that uh, down that line. So this is for sure a brave you know policy mm. and risk that he's taking. But you know if it, if it goes wrong for him and for the country, it's just another step in in difficulty and and the the you know the the brave policy making that. Uh, that he's taken on, which has also involved, you know, co-opting a large number of, the, of parliament and the judiciary, maybe in a sort of semi-autocratic, undemocratic manner. But, but uh, you know, as global experiments go, and certainly in terms of Central America and the problems that beset the region, um, I, I think this is this really stands out mm. as a global standbearer. I, I don't see I, I don't see how anybody can argue against that point. Yeah. Now, 2022, uh, John, is a World Cup year, uh, which means a lot to us here, means a heck of a lot in Latin America as well. There's sort of, uh, you know, a World Cup in Qatar and a Christmas World Cup or coming up to Christmas sort of World Cup. Um, mixed feelings about it over here. But I suspect in Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, um, a huge amount of uh, excitement. Yeah, the, the World Cup 2022 or in any other um uh, year could be held in Antarctica, it could be held on the moon, uh, on Ascension Island. It wouldn't, it wouldn't dim the enthusiasm of Latin Americans uh, for 
the whole global sport for the event, for the tournament, and for the hopes that you know perhaps potentially their, their country might win. Of course, you know Brazil, Argentina have already uh, qualified, and those are really the um, the two biggies. And and people in those countries, aficionados in those countries, are going to hope that um, to, to buck the trend and for one of those two to come out um, as as champions and all uh, sporting discourse will be based around that this year. And then the, the likes of uh, you know, Mexican fans who have never won anything like this, but they'll point to the fact that every country has to win their first one at some point. will hope against hope against hope that they're not going to take the lead against Argentina only to be beaten 2-1 yet again. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with uh, Latin American teams, you know, you do, if the World Cup was in Europe, you know, if it was in Germany or England or wherever, you would expect a European team to win it. If it's in Latin America, you expect, you know, Argentina or Brazil, Mexico, whatever, you expect a, a Latin American team to win it. It's difficult to know what's going to happen in these very artificial conditions in the Middle East. Yeah, absolutely. It's a completely you know, new experiment for many reasons that, uh, you know, that, that FIFA is undertaking. But, you know, this side of this side of the pond. So, I mean, not even south of the border with the USA and Mexico, but even in, you know, in the US, um, the sporting calendar has been fixed for the end of the year. And this is the single most important event to, uh, to take place. So if you happen to be at this end of things or even in, you know, in, in Wiltshire or London or Manchester, if you see any Latin American and you have things to do with your day, don't bring up the World Cup. <laughs> well, I'll bear that in mind. Uh, John, as always, thanks ever so much. Um, looking forward to the new year there. You've got about three and a half hours to wait. I suspect before you, um, before you celebrate, pop over the champagne, sing old Lang Syne, or whatever, whatever you do. Uh, <laughs> All of those things. <laughs> yeah, or indeed sing along uh, John Baldry's uh, great anthem, <laughs> Mexico. Uh, anyway, whatever it is, a very, very happy new year. We've really enjoyed uh, your reporting uh, during 2021 and hope uh, very much to carry on enjoying it during 2022. All right. Take care. Happy New Year to you all. And you. Uh, there we go. John Bonfilio joining us from Campeche in Mexico.